Have you seen the 2021 My OT Journey Planner? This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. This planner is a must for OT students and practitioners. Check it out at myotjourney.com. Welcome to Students in Charge. The students of Corbin Health and Rehab Group, or Charge Therapy, are here to bring you the latest research in the field of occupational therapy. Combining evidence-based practice with a fresh student perspective, they aim to promote best practice and competency within the field. Hope you're fully charged because it's time for the students in charge. Welcome back to Students in Charge. As you may know, Charge Therapy is a telehealth occupational therapy company that specializes in hand, upper extremity, ergonomics, and home modifications. In this podcast, we aim to bring you insight on one of the many specialty areas in occupational therapy. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how occupational therapists can help new mothers. We have a guest speaker, Molly Sherman, who is a certified hand therapist and also a certified lactation counselor. My name is Amber, and joining me today are Nick and Jamie. How are you guys? I'm doing all right today. I'm really excited to talk about this topic, especially if you've seen on our Instagram that we just introduced our newest team member, Baby Corbin. Oh my gosh, so precious. If you haven't seen Baby Corbin on our Instagram page yet, you have to go look. We're happy to say that he and Mommy Shanna are doing well. Speaking of mothers, let's welcome Molly. Molly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. This is really such a fun opportunity and I'm really grateful that you guys want to learn a little bit more about hand therapy and lactation counseling. So just a little bit about myself. I've been an OT since 2013 and I've been a certified hand therapist since 2018. Um, And I've been a certified lactation counselor since April and it's really amazing. I love what I do. I love the marriage between hand therapy and lactation counseling because it really helps add a new piece to the components of occupational therapy, body mechanics, and sorry, I hear my baby. Let me just go grab her and see if I can quiet her down. So I was always passionate about breastfeeding, um, even before I became a lactation counselor. And I had always seen clients in my clinic that would come in, young clients with lots of repetitive stress injuries that seemed to be caused by handling and positioning while breastfeeding. And I just thought to myself, hey, this is like an area where I can really be of value because I really understand, you know, the anatomy behind why certain repetitive stress injuries are common in new moms. And, you know, for the most part, a lot of it does have to do with positioning, handling techniques, and all that comes into play with breastfeeding because moms oftentimes are very focused on caring for their baby they're not really paying attention to what their own body is doing and sometimes all it takes is just for somebody to come in and kind of bring awareness to how their position or their handling techniques can be modified and relieve strain and pressure on 
those joints and thereby, you know, in a preventative way, prevent the occurrence of repetitive stress injuries like carpal tunnel or veins or lateral epicondylitis, cubital tunnel syndrome, things like that. So in reality, you know, you don't really see many hand therapists with lactation counseling certifications. It's more frequently going to be OTs that specialize in, you know, pediatrics, NICU, feeding, oral motor. You don't really see many hand therapists in this area, but, you know, to me, it makes perfect sense. That's, that's great. Um, a lot of great information there. Um, but I just, I want to address that last point. And you kind of said it was like a marriage beforehand. Um, you know, in the past few weeks, we've heard some unique settings for OT, like public transportation, for example. But where or how does OT fit into new mother's care, specifically with uh, breastfeeding or nursing? Oh, great question. I love that question. So, you know, if we take a look into the OTPF, just so that we are evidence-based as we want to be, um, you know, there are a lot of new emerging practice areas, especially with maternal mental health, women's health, pelvic floor. Um, but if we look specifically at breastfeeding, we want to, you know, focus, like I said before, many women that are breastfeeding, they're going to be dealing with, you know, let's say latch issues, things like that. So breastfeeding, you know, the areas of occupation, we're talking about feeding. So breastfeeding is considered feeding, latching, making sure mom has an adequate milk supply. These are all things that fall under the occupation of feeding. Um, if you want to look into the occupation of self-care of mom, that's also a huge part of it. Making sure that mom is, you know, taken care of so that she is able to care for her baby in order to, you know, prevent, let's say, in the breastfeeding aspect of it, prevent clogs, prevent mastitis, and in the hand therapy avenue to prevent upper body aches and pains while breastfeeding so that they can prolong that breastfeeding relationship. Um, more specifically related to, you know, the feeding of the baby, we want to make sure that their oral motor skills are adequate, that they're able to latch, that they have good coordination with their suck, swallow, breathe, you know, and that's just the areas of occupation. But if you want to go into like, even more, you know, specific, you can talk about the IADLs, making sure that mom is able to instruct a caregiver when they're going back to work on how to feed their baby, child rearing, providing care and supervision to support the development of their infant. So there's really so much, you know, within OT that does address breastfeeding. It might not say specifically like lactation, but, you know, health management, making sure that baby's healthy, that they're gaining weight adequately, personal care management, if there's a mom that's, you know, pumping to know how to use the pump, to know how to use a nipple shield or a supplemental nursing system. There's really so much that we can go into with regards to breastfeeding and OT. And I'm just really glad that it's becoming more recognized. And I hope that, you know, in the future, more research can, can come around in order to let more people in on this amazing this amazing new emerging practice area that's yeah that's that's fascinating um 
It's, you know, another area I never thought OT would work in, but uh, there's, there is a lot of crossover with the OTPF if you think about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, and I think what we have had trouble with is like, there's not a lot of research done in this area of practice. Um, so when we were even researching, you know, prior to be, you coming on to this podcast, we couldn't find much. And that was unfortunate because like you said, it's starting to become a thing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about like why that is and, and speak to the availability of the research that currently is um, out there? Sure. So there actually is not that much research out there. There's a good amount, um, but a lot of the research, unfortunately, you know, their conclusion is, let's say, for example, there was an article, well, let me just find the article so I could actually reference it. Okay, so there was an article in 2015 um, by Hashimpur, Nasseri, and Ashraf called Carpal Tunnel Syndrome in Lactation, a Challenging Issue. This was from the Women's Health Bulletin. And, you know, the article was discussing, you know, how it's very common and the reasons behind why it's so common. And, you know, the conclusion was that symptoms resolved following, you know, the discontinuation of breastfeeding or symptoms in women were less common for those that provided their babies with formula versus breastfeeding. So it's a problem, you know, you don't want the research to support cessation of breastfeeding, especially when, you know, the WHO and the CDC and the AAP are all recommending breast milk at least until six months of age and up until two years of age. So I think it's a really big area that needs a lot more research to support the ergonomics component of it. And, you know, there was an article by Roberts in 2011 called Preventing Musculoskeletal Pains in Mothers, Ergonomic Tips for Lactation Consultants. A lot of it is preventative. We want to make sure that mothers are informed that there are things that they can do to prevent these repetitive stress injuries, but to also let them know that it is very common to have these issues postpartum and it's not necessarily their fault. But yeah, I have a lot of different articles that I could reference here too. Like in 2019, there was an article um, titled Breastfeeding Women with Rheumatoid Arthritis Compared to the General Population. Um, that also, again, goes into how you know stopping to breastfeed resulted in decrease on the visual analog scale. So, you know, again, we don't want the research to show that stopping breastfeeding is the answer because you know as ot's we understand that there is always more that we can do i feel like we're always trying to show that we're the heroes we have the superhuman capacity to fix everyone as best as we can and i think that just understanding what we do know about ergonomics and what we do know about anatomy that we can definitely offer more in this area to help moms be able to continue on their breastfeeding journey as long as possible just by implementing simple changes whether it's positional or you know activity modification 
You know, at Charge, ergonomics is one of our primary concerns for clients. So this is all really important to know for when we have the privilege of treating new moms. And I think it's pretty clear more research is needed in this area and more people like you are needed who are willing to advocate for this population and participate in new research. I'm curious to hear your perspective on how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected new moms and the research as well. Oh my God, the effect has been huge. So, you know, just to go into a little bit of a personal story, when I was giving birth, it was the height of the pandemic in April. And um, it was just a very scary time to be a new mom, not having support, kind of being rushed out of the hospital before I was ready. And, you know, having very minimal contact with the lactation counselors in the hospital, if any. Um, but this had been my second child, so I wasn't really too concerned. And they kind of bolster that confidence when they asked me in the hospital, oh, like, do you have any other kids that you breastfed? And I came home feeling like I knew what I was doing. And eventually it ended up being that, you know, I, I knew what I was doing, but, you know, anatomically my baby's mouth was not um, doing what it was supposed to be doing. But being isolated that way during COVID, not being able to just bring her to specialists easily, having to rely on virtual sessions with different um, professionals to kind of figure out what was going on. It was really scary. And, you know, having this virus that there's so many unknowns about is also pretty scary. Um, I ended up taking my certification in a couple months later and I was just so I was so excited to do it because I knew what it was like to struggle and I knew what it was like to be successful with breastfeeding and I just wanted to be able to impart that knowledge on other moms that might be struggling and dealing with feeling isolated and not having support and it's just really it's a very hard time to be a new mom because, you know, pre-COVID, there used to be, you know, La Leche League support groups out there. You could bring your baby, mommy and me. You can be around other moms, talk to other moms, ask questions, and kind of get that feeling of camaraderie. Like, oh, you had that struggle. Oh, I'm also doing, oh, your baby's teething. My baby's also teething. And to be able to have that ability, that social component is kind of lost now. And you're really just relying a lot of the time on social media. And, you know, while that can be helpful, not all of it's evidence-based. So you kind of need to be careful with that too. But just in general, I feel like COVID isolated a lot of new moms, made them nervous, made them feel like they weren't capable or didn't know what they were doing. And it can be really scary. Um, in terms of breastfeeding and COVID, you know, Recently, there's been a lot more new research on the benefits of providing your baby with breast milk, whether you've had the virus itself or received the vaccine. Um, the evidence has shown that it does transmit through the breast milk to protect the baby. So it's even more crucial, I think, for moms to get breastfeeding support in this day and age because you know, it's, it, it really can protect your baby from a very serious virus, a very serious illness. And 
it's just magic, guys. I can't, I can't get into this even more. Like I could keep talking about how breast milk is magic for hours and hours, but I won't. Um, but honestly, like it's just such a great, great thing to be able to provide your baby with these nutrients and to also know that they're also, that they're protecting your baby from this virus that has been wreaking havoc on the world for the past year. So again, you know, just throwing in the hand therapy component to it, the same way that I would throw in, you know, a latching issue, you want to address mom's concern, you want to address any kind of pain that mom might be feeling, and really help her to be able to breastfeed as long as possible, especially nowadays, because that antibody protection is so important. Yeah, that's a great. That's something that a lot of people probably don't know. Um, that's that's really cool. That, that's what the research uh, shows. Um, it's cool. I'm actually like, I'm waiting for them because the research is really cool and it's still ongoing because they want to test and see, you know, how long do the antibodies last in the breast milk post vaccines or post infection. So there's actually a study being done at Mount Sinai where. I um, volunteered, so I've been pumping small one-ounce samples of milk. I had the virus back in September, so since I started collecting the milk, I think it was probably about a month after after I had the virus, I've been collecting one ounce of milk to send off for them to analyze. And I'm just like, this is so cool to be part of the study and to like be part of the future and understanding like how this can influence um, the research. It's just so cool. I'm so grateful to be part of it and to be, you know, in this world where, where breast milk cured a virus. <laughs> that is really cool. Like um, be part of a study like that. Um, and it sounds like you, you did a great job with the whole uh, COVID pandemic yourself, um, even though you were in the same situation as a lot of your clients. Yeah, uh, I feel uh, like it's also, um, you know, I was a, I'm not a first time mom, so I kind of, what? You want to say hi on the podcast? You're too little. You can't be on social media yet. You're too little. Um, I think also, you know, I was grateful that I was a second time mom because I kind of didn't feel the same way that I probably would have felt if I was a first time mom. Meaning like if this was the first um, experience that I had with breastfeeding, I probably would not have pursued it because it was so isolating. I was struggling. I knew who to reach out to because I had gone through a breastfeeding relationship before. So I knew, you know, like, oh, there's a lactation counselor in the neighborhood that can help. Oh, you know, I heard that chiropractic can be helpful with this as well. I knew where to kind of look for assistance with this. Whereas if this was a new mom, a first time mom, she probably wouldn't know where to turn to. She probably would, you know, and this is not a knock on pediatricians, but they're not breastfeeding specialists and they're not very well versed in infant feeding. So I probably would have went to my pediatrician and been like, oh, like I'm struggling with breastfeeding. And like, who knows what, have, what would have resulted from that? Would I have gotten the help that I needed or would I have gotten brushed off that so many moms, you know, 
that's what I've been hearing from a lot of moms is that the pediatrician dismissed their concern or their pediatrician, you know, didn't refer them to the proper channels of where they should have gotten help. And as a result, I'm sure a lot of women didn't continue breastfeeding. It's a shame, you know, the statistics show that 80% of women go into their, you know, birth or go into their hospital experience hoping to breastfeed. And unfortunately, the highest drop-off is 10, 10 days post leaving the hospital. So where is the fallout? Like, what, what's happening to these women? Why are they not continuing to breastfeed? And honestly, it's due to lack of support, due to lack of, you know, knowing that support is available due to shame and feelings of inadequacy if they're not able to do it. You know, breastfeeding might be natural, but it's not easy and it's not always mom's quote unquote fault. That's definitely something that's reassuring to a lot of new mothers out there. Um, and it sounds like you're really feel, filling a good, um, a good niche with uh, hand therapy and uh, breastfeeding and new mothers. Uh, you've touched on this a bit already, but like our new moms out there, what are some common types of hand injuries or upper extremity injuries uh, you typically see and why? So I would say the most common and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the most common is the queravines also known as radial styloid tenosynovitis, also known as mommy thumb. So that's why I would consider that the most common. That is um, when you're dealing with inflammation of the APL and EPB at the thumb. And usually that happens from repetitive thumb motions, from improper lifting of the infant, like that scooping method under the armpits. That's definitely one of the worst ways to lift babies, but the most common ways to lift them. Um, scrolling late night, scrolling on, this, on their cell phone, middle of the night nursing sessions. Most moms are you know, using their phone a lot more these days, especially, especially because of the pandemic. But definitely I would say that that's the number one. Um, you also see some carpal tunnel syndrome, um, a lot of that can be caused not necessarily by the wrist but sometimes just by you know the cervical spine when you're looking down gazing lovingly at your new baby over and over again and that position can cause you know some nerve impingements things like that but it could also be from compressions at the wrist poor positioning um poor sleep positioning. That's probably the most common if moms are even sleeping. Um, I would say that for sure can be um, on the list of common, common repetitive stress injuries for new moms. I would also say that you could make the argument about um, even something like cubital tunnel syndrome, where you have that prolonged elbow flexion posture when holding your baby, feeding your baby, in the cradle position, which could compress the ulnar nerve. You know, a lot of the moms that I see before I correct them, I always just want to take a general assessment and see, you know, what their, what their nursing setup looks like, how, they, how they're positioning themselves before I say anything so that I can take note of any, anything I would want to correct. And most of the time what I notice is a lot of rounded, kyphotic 
shoulders. And what that can do is, you know, you're, uh, forget just, you know, back or shoulder pain. You're talking about, you know, a mom that has weak abdominal muscles, postpartum. And what will happen is with that round of posture, you're getting um, overexertion of the rotator cuff and you're getting shortening of the pec muscles and that internal rotation of the shoulder. And for a long time, you know, if you're doing that over and over, you know, most moms, new babies, they're nursing them at least eight to 12 times a day. And you're in that position for 40 minutes or so, eight to 12 times a day over time, that can lead to, you know, maybe some tightness with your, with the shoulder. You get that internal shoulder rotation, makes it hard to do external rotation. So you're compensating for that with wrist extension and repetitive wrist extension can cause lateral epicondylitis, tennis elbow. So, you know, there's a whole range of things that can definitely be affected um, just by, you know, everyday positioning of mom. You know, talking about things like um, moms that have pre-existing issues like arthritis, you know, and just in terms of infant handling is a big deal. Like you have all of those snaps on the onesies, that excessive thumb, forceful thumb pinching that you want clients to avoid if they have arthritis. So how do you handle that? And, you know, it takes a very qualified therapist to kind of see the small adjustments and how over time they really can influence that client's pain or reduce that client's pain you know, make the, make the suggestion like, Hey, you know, instead of, you know, doing that forceful pinch, you know, you have those hypermobile thumb joints. You don't want to be doing that. Try, you know, maybe investing in some zippered clothing or, um, just avoiding snaps altogether. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about like a lot of like your job really, um, does have a lot to do with also like the ergonomics and breastfeeding and I was just wondering, you know, what types of modifications can you give a new mother just to avoid those, you know, um, hand and neck and back injuries? Um, I always recommend, it's called a laid back posture. It's not necessarily, you know, what you're used to when you hear of ergonomics, you're kind of thinking of somebody sitting upright in the chair with their hips flexed to 90. Um, you know, it's not really realistic for a new mom to be sitting like that. So I always recommend, you know, if they are sitting in a chair, make sure there is some kind of lumbar support, whether it's a pillow or just um, something that is a rolled towel that you can put back there to help keep the back supported. Um, but I do really like the laid back posture because it, in terms of the hands, it really takes a lot of strain off of them. So that is just basically like a semi-reclined position. And with that, you know, it's great because not only are you alleviating strain on the wrists because you don't need that much strain if your baby is leaning on you, you don't need to hold them up as much, but it's also great for the baby because it gives them a lot of um, feelings of like grounded feelings that they, their whole body is kind of laid across your body, which is much more, um, it's much more, grounding for them as opposed to you know 
being in a cradle position or a football position, when they have that closeness to you, they feel your heartbeat, it's more calming for them and it's easier for them to, to, um, to, to breastfeed. But yeah, I would definitely recommend a laid back posture. Um, I would recommend using a nursing pillow that you can adjust so that it's right under your breasts and you don't need to lean and have that kyphotic posture, which is also not good for latching, but that's a different, different avenue. But definitely using that pillow and bringing it right under your breasts so that you don't have to lean forward. That's a huge one. And I always just recommend making sure that mom is aware of her wrist and hands. That's like, you know, even just saying it to mom, like, Hey, you know, I noticed that when you're holding the bottle, you know, cause it's not just nursing, like it's bottle feeding too, that this could fall under, but you want to make sure that, you know, Oh, I noticed that when you were holding the bottle, your wrist looked a little funky. It looked like you were, you know, flexing too much. Why don't you try, you know, relaxing the wrist a little bit, maybe bring the baby up a little bit, maybe put a rolled towel under your wrist so that it's not so much strain on there. But it really, it's hard to, you know, make the blanket statement like here, do these modifications. Like I need to see it. I need to see what they're doing in order to undo it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a shame that our culture is such that we kind of expect new mothers to be solely focusing on their babies. But at the same time, it's really important for us as OTs to address the mother's self-care and the mother's mental health. Um, Could you talk about how your treatment addresses not only the baby, but the mother too? For sure. So regardless of, you know, OT, in the lactation world, we never just treat one. It's called a dyad. We treat mom and the baby as a unit. So, you know, this is the same thing with, with regards to OT, we want to make sure that, you know, like if, for example, we were using, you know, my story where, you know, it was an anatomy issue with the baby and maybe a positioning issue with the mom. So you really want to make sure that those two issues are addressed the same way that I would, you know, address a mom that was complaining of nipple pain or something like that you know, looking at the baby, looking at the latch, looking at, you know, the tongue and trying to evaluate why they're having that pain. I would also say that that's something that we really want to address with regards to hand therapy too. Like, you know, as part of the intake, I would recommend that all therapists, I mean, sorry, all lactation counselors should ask about pain globally, not just breast pain Because I think that, unfortunately, a lot of moms do suffer from these upper extremity conditions, but they don't even know that they're conditions. They just think that, um, oh, you know, my hand is hurting, but they don't realize that it's an actual diagnosis and that it's way more common than they know. And it's way more common in new moms and they just have no idea. So, you know, to be able to um, kind of break into that is huge like as as part of the intake like for me you know i'm still you know more majority hand therapy minded so when i sit and think about an eval the first thing that i ask is like can you describe the pain where is it how severe is it so you know i i impart that with my lactation 
counseling visits as well. Like I want to know if there's, you know, pain, of course, you know, nipple pain is a huge component of it. Breast pain is a huge component of it, but I want to know about other areas too, because those need to be addressed because at the end of the day, if mom has pain, that research has shown pain correlates to decreasing the length of time of breastfeeding because, you know, we can only handle so much, unfortunately, (laughs) you know, we've been through a lot and pain does not help a mom. So we definitely want to be looking at both mom and baby. And I think, you know, with regards to ergonomics, it's literally the perfect example of it because you want to see how mom is handling the baby. I like, you know, again, like it's hard virtually, but if I were to do an in-person session, I would kind of stand back. Like I wouldn't get involved until after I observed everything. I would probably have a client come in and I would from the car seat to the breast, like see what they're doing. How do they take the baby out of the car seat? What are they doing, you know, with regards to um, undressing the baby from their, you know, their outerwear? What are they doing in terms of lifting the baby? Are they holding the baby under the armpits in that scoop method? Are they scooping behind the back of the head and under the buttocks? Like what are they, what are their handling techniques? Do they look confident? Do they look shaky? Do they look nervous? You know, a lot of that will also come into play. Like I feel that moms that are more nervous, they have a stronger kind of grip on the baby as opposed to like second time moms that are just like chill and hold the baby, however. So, you know, there's different things to consider in both of those areas, but I like to observe as much as possible without intervening and then kind of make mental notes along the way of like, oh, okay, she lifted under the armpits. She, you know, was holding the car seat far away from her body instead of close to her body. You know, heavy items should always be carried close to the body, the diaper bag, you know, she was kind of doing, holding the diaper bag and like, you know, doing a little bit of like lateral hip. So you kind of look at the whole picture and then you see how, you know, she handles the baby with regards to breastfeeding, bringing the baby to the breast. Is she bringing the baby to her or is she leaning her body towards the baby in that kyphotic posture? So, you know, all those ergonomic things are one aspect. And then looking at, you know, the baby, the oral motor, the sensory, the feeding aspect, the milk transfer. So it really is a very lengthy process to really evaluate both how the mom is and how the baby is breastfeeding. Well, I think I speak for all of us at Charge when I say we learned a lot today and we hope all of our listeners did as well. Thank you for being here today, Molly, and thank you all so much for tuning in. We really hope you learned as much as we did. If you have any questions for Molly, you can find her on Instagram at the Milk Maven. She offers one-on-one virtual consultations for new mothers. We can be found at our website, chargetherapy.com. Charge is spelled C-H-R-G, as well as our social media, Charge Therapy Students in Charge. We provide consultations in person as well as virtual. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.